0: Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta, actually right on Main Street in Alpharetta. And uh, speaking of Renaissance, they have just announced that Forbes has named Renaissance one of the best banks in the world. Yes, in the world. Uh, In in one of their latest surveys, which is world's best banks of 2022. Uh, Renaissance ranked as the sixth best bank in the United States. That's pretty awesome. And uh, just so you know, that's not a fluke. They have been named uh, uh, best bank in Georgia for the last two years in a row. So if that's the kind of bank you feel like you need to be at, if you need a bank that really deals with you in a personal way, then go to renaissancebank.com and check out uh, their offices. They've got some 200 offices around the Southeast ready to serve you and give them, give 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 them a call. I think you'll be glad you did, because somebody will actually answer the phone, and that's pretty cool, I think, about uh, Renaissance and the way they work. I know I've had a good experience with Renaissance, and I think you will, too. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome an old friend, uh, Ehab Jalil, is with us. Ehab is the executive director of Amana Academy. Ehab, welcome. Well, thank you so much john really great to be back yeah it's great to have you back and you've I, we were just talking before we came on you've had so much going on i had to have you back to uh, uh give everyone an update on what's going on with the manna academy so welcome welcome back thank i appreciate you. it yeah so for those that don't know a academy how about giving a little, little
1: introduction to how you're serving folks you, you bet. So Amanda Academy was established in 2005 as a public charter school within the Fulton County school system. And, uh, we've been around now for 16 years. Uh, we're serving about 800 students, uh, Fulton County students in grades kindergarten through eighth grade. And then, uh, we're about to launch our second campus, uh, which is going to be in West Atlanta in mm-hmm. um, with a very unique partnership that I'm sure we're going to talk about.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's, uh, Pretty cool stuff. Um, so, for those that don't know, what are charter schools? I mean, explain the the um, people hear a lot, and I think some of it's positive, some of it's negative. But explain what charter schools are, and ha- what and how Amana Academy fits in that in that
1: tapestry. Yeah, no, that's a great question, and we get it a lot. Um, you know, charter schools were envisioned; uh, the concept came up in. Around 1990, late 80s, uh, a professor at the University of Massachusetts had come up with this idea that to to introduce innovation in the public school sector, uh, it'd be great to be able to give schools autonomy uh, from some of the rules that districts have so that they can, uh, you know, try new things and, and see what kind of results they get. So almost kind of like incubators of innovation. And so um, that's how the movement started uh, in the early 90s. And in Georgia, charter school law became came into effect in 1998. And so ever since then, uh, the the number of charter schools has grown uh, throughout the state. Some schools are locally approved, like our flagship school in Fulton County, where the local board of education um, evaluates petitions that come in from different uh, folks. It could be educators. It could be a higher ed institution, it could be uh, an individual. And so um, some are local, and then some are state schools. They're they're authorized through the State Charter Commission, which was enacted in 2012. And so you know, you've know, got now about uh, 160, 170 charter schools around the, the state of Georgia, all over. Uh, so some of them are online schools, uh, some are small schools, elementary, some are K-12 schools, Um, there, there's a, a, a wide range of, of formats Mm -hmm. for the schools, but the idea is that they are these crucibles of innovation that can try uh, a different approach to learning that may appeal to certain types of learning styles. Um, or in case of, you know, an area of, of the state where education may, education options may not be very good, uh, that a charter school may come in and, and be a new option and a new way to invigorate innovation in, into the into the system. Sure, sure. Uh, so let's talk about specifically
0: about the innovation that um, Amana Academy brings yeah. to the market. Yeah. So you know,
1: back uh, and I'm one of the co-founders of the school, so I I, I have the history to be able to, to talk about this. But you know, at the time that Amana was being established. Um, There was uh, one school in Fulton County, uh, Crabapple Middle School, that was in Roswell, that was uh, using a a program called Expeditionary Learning. Um, It's a Harvard-based approach to learning. And they were only offering it to the talented and gifted kids. Um, So about 130, I think, kids were benefiting from it. Um, So our idea was, why don't we offer that to all students? And, um, you know, EL Education, as it's called now, um, is being used in 160 schools around the country and some major districts have, have uh, implemented some of the the structures. And so, so our pitch to Fulton County schools was, you know, we want this project-based multidisciplinary approach to learning and offer it to all, all students mm-hmm. um, as a, as, as a, uh, an expression of equity, but also, um, to really challenge students in new ways. Um, and, the the model was built out of a relationship between Harvard and Outward Bound. Mm. Um, Outward Bound is, you know, decades old and takes young people and puts them into these kind of adventure experiences. And Harvard said, you know, what you're doing really could apply to the classroom in terms of as a metaphor for, you know, perseverance in trying to solve a math problem or collaboration, you know, where we're all trying to climb this mountain together. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so they formed Expeditionary Learning. And so it's a nonprofit that provides professional development to to um, schools around the country. There's a couple of other very unique things about our school. We are a K 8 school. So that's unique in terms of public education, um, mm-hmm. especially in Fulton County. You don't see a lot of K 8 schools. Um, right. I know that they were thinking about it in South Fulton mm-hmm. and it, it, it didn't, it didn't, uh, you know, take off. The other very unique thing about us is that we teach foreign language at, at, from elementary all the way up to middle school. And there's only a couple of other Fulton County schools that teach foreign language. Mm. Um, foreign language instruction in in younger grades is really important uh, mm. because it it the research shows that it stimulates cognitive learning, mm. and it also gives kids cultural competency. You know, being able to understand and compare and contrast, you know, their own experience to those of people from around the world Mm -hmm. and and different races and so forth. And so, so we were unique in that regard, but even doubly unique, um, the the language that we chose was the Arabic language. Oh, wow. It's one of these six UN languages. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the U S state department, um, back in, um, the early two thousands really felt like there are some critical languages that public schools needed to start teaching at the elementary level. And those in- included Arabic, uh, Russian, and Mandarin Chinese, mm-hmm. for example.
0: Got it. And um, what what are the advantages of, in your mind, and what you've lived out here over these
1: past few years of K through 8? Oh, gosh. I, you know, I think it's a, a wonderful structure um, for schools because it—, it um, it solidifies the relationship between the student and their teachers and their administrators. Um, you know, they're with those people for nine years. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, you know, uprooting them right after elementary school and and putting them into a situation with a, a lot of other kids um, where they right at that age of adolescence, when mm-hmm. they're trying to kind of figure out who they are, Um, so I think that from a relationship standpoint, um, it's incredibly important. You know, there's a lot of research that says that if a child feels that somebody in the school cares about them, they're going to succeed in that school. They have that sense of belonging. Uh, they're familiar with it and so forth. The other thing that, um, I think K eight really helps with is just, you know, what we call vertical mapping. So, you know, in terms of, you know, Looking at the trajectory of of the learning from kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade, you can you can tie things together. There can be themes that cross into middle school. It also gives the middle schoolers an opportunity to be leaders of elementary school students, like and mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, regularly we have our middle schoolers as reading buddies for our elementary school kids, and so they learn that compassion, they learn that empathy and, and patience. And, um, and then the last thing I'll say is just, you know, kids are kids and, uh, letting them be kids, Mm -hmm. uh, into adolescence is not a bad thing. Um, you know, there's just a joyous kind of atmosphere. And, um, I think a lot of times, you know, we push young people to, to become, um, you know, adults maybe sooner than, than they're ready for. So, you know by by ninth grade they're ready um and so you know those relationships the 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 leadership skills and then um and then just the joy of learning uh, and being kids and I want to get back in touch uh with uh
0: the uniqueness of k through eight, but then the uniqueness of the foreign language let's let's yeah. let's let's touch on that um obviously kids are able to handle this right yeah I mean I, I would think that's maybe one concern parents might have, yeah, um, they want their kids to have that language capability, but how early do you start is that do you run into that concern, and obviously
1: you've uh, addressed it, yeah, I think most of the concern that we see is kids that may be coming in at a higher grade, like you know a third grade or a fifth grade, or even in our middle school mm. and and so the parents are wondering, okay how is are the teachers going to differentiate within the classroom for the kids that are novice uh coming in and and you know just so people understand w- we're not developing fluent you know speakers yeah. mm-hmm. um but they are getting exposure to a foreign language early on mm-hmm. and when they're able to um you know kids at a very young age have malleable brains and so they can pronounce things differently they're able to pick up the nuances of accents and things like that, that adults can't. Um, I mean, I've, I've tried learning a foreign language, you know, in college I took Japanese mm. and, um, and it's just, it was much more difficult even in college right. than if I was learning something like that at a very early age. Um, we do teach French as well in middle school, but we do start the Arabic at, in kindergarten. And a lot of it is just, you know, getting familiar with the, the sounds, the, the 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 different alphabet and and those types of things. And so what we find is that children really um, you know, they think it's kind of cool. They they're speaking, you know, a different kind of language. It's like this, like almost like you know, like in a movie where you have like all these kind of, you know, uh, foreign languages or Star mm-hmm. Wars type type situation. And so they go home and, and they share these words and, you know, this is how you say red and this is how you say, you know, living room and things like that. And and it gets them excited to be able to do that. Um, and then we offer them a, um, a trip overseas. So our middle school students have gone to Morocco and to France. Oh, wow. Uh, where, you know, especially that's a good combination because Moroccans speak French fluently. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, they can get exposure to both languages. And then when they leave our school, Fulton County Schools gives them two high school credits for foreign language. They give them one for Arabic and one for French.
0: Oh, Wow. Ehab Jalil is with us, folks. He's the executive director of Amana Academy Charter School um, here in Alpharetta, but also uh, coming soon in West Atlanta. We'll talk more about that in a second. I want to switch gears uh, just a second, uh, Ehab. Uh, I know your story, but others don't. Talk about why you made the move you did. You came out of corporate Mm, into – elementary and middle school education that's quite a jump
1: yeah i i you know a lot of it has to do with um my wife being an educator in an earlier you know career and her whole family from a, a family line of educators um and and what was happening was you know i think we were seeing what she was experiencing in her school where she was going to conferences and learning about project based instruction um, you know, new ways to teach kids that, you know, involved a lot of field work and, and just, you know, outside the four walls of a classroom and she would come back and, and the reaction she always got was, well, that's not the way we do it here. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people are very traditional. They're very kind of set in their ways. And uh when we started to, you know, explore different options for our children, our own, uh, you know, I've got three girls as I was talking to you before we started. And, um, and then one day, um, my mother-in-law came to visit from Houston. She was an administrator in the Houston public school system. And she said, you know, the way I'm listening to you guys, I think you guys should start a charter school.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: um, and then, you know, we just, like, just jumped on the idea, started doing some research. This was back in 2002. Mm-hmm. Got some other folks involved, you know, um, charter school law, you know, really you know, it's something to be understood. So we had a lawyer, we had an attorney, we had a, a finance person because charter schools are nonprofit organizations on their own. They're their own 501c3s. And so running one is like running a, a nonprofit. Right. And, and so you have the authorizer, but at the same time, you've got, you know, all the, the same kind of fiduciary responsibilities that any other nonprofit would have. Um, but for me, um, I was working at the Coca Cola company at the time, you know, I was in, uh, marketing and really focused on, uh, new products, new packages that, that kind of commercialization of of new ideas. And, um, I've always been attracted to innovation. Um, and I think this is, you know, being in the charter sector, uh, is kind of a continuation of that same kind of mindset that I've always had and that passion. And, um, we started the school, uh, you know, I served on the board for a couple of years and then came off the board and became just a parent. And um, And then five years into the school's history, uh, you know, the school had started growing from mm-hmm. 130 students to up to 300, 400 students. Mm. And the board felt very strongly that they needed somebody with a business mindset mm-hmm. um, to, to manage the school because... You know, a lot of times with nonprofits in the early years, board members are very involved. They're hands on, they roll up their sleeves, but then they need to release that and and to an executive that's running it. And so, um, so they worked on me for six months and, um, (laughs) and including my wife. And she said, you know, you're never going to get a chance like this again Mm -hmm. to do something good. And, um, and, uh, you know, Coca-Cola is going to be fine without you. So, um. Mm. So I did make the leap and I haven't looked back, frankly, it's been an amazing journey. Um, it's been 12 years mm-hmm. and, um, I'm looking forward to the next, next few years as we, um, we grow and, and start to impact more children and more families. I'm curious, mm-hmm. uh, Ehab, about the,
0: your expectations of what that, the, these 12 years were going to look like. And then what, what has surprised you, uh, that, that,
1: just came out of the blue that you didn't expect? Well, one thing that surprised me was uh, the difference between corporate culture and nonprofit culture mm. in general. And I, I think it even, it, it it's schools, but I think in general, nonprofits, what I've discovered is, because I've become much more connected to other nonprofits through this experience, is that, um, you know, nonprofit leaders, nonprofit um, workers, whatever, you know, associates, they're very passionate about what they do and um, they will give you their all. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it involves children, it's even more than that. And, And the fact that, you know, a charter school is a school of choice. It's not just the parents that are choosing to come there, but all the teachers are choosing to come there. And so there's this real strong mission alignment and sense of purpose um, so that's been a surprise. Um, you know, I had volunteered before with nonprofits, but not not on the inside. And so, just to see that level of of interest and support has been amazing. Um, other things, you know, I think uh, one expectation that I had was, um, you know, that it would be it would be easy to disseminate the practices that we've been successful at. And um, and I think we've tried really hard to do that, but you know, everybody's the, the district schools are, are incredibly busy. They've got their own priorities. And I think we're, we're trying to find more ways to be able to share promising practices across, you know, uh, traditional public schools, charter schools, and even independent schools. Um, because I think, I think the, the solutions are out there. Mm. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, getting people from different backgrounds and different structures and allowing them the freedom to be able to share those best ideas. Ehab, talk about the students
0: that are at the school. Uh, where, where do they come from? What, what makes them eligible? Yeah. Um, because folks might, may not be aware of that. And I mean, what, what, what are the, uh, what's the geography they come from? Um, and, and, why Amana versus, I mean, there are a lot of great schools in that's North right. Fulton. We're yeah. blessed in this community to have a lot of great schools. You know, what, why Amana for some parents and their kids versus other choices they have?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I love talking about our students. So I love this question. So, you know, we're about 800 students, as I said earlier. Um, any student in grades kindergarten through eighth in the Fulton County school system can attend our school. Um, so that includes everybody in North Fulton, everybody in South Fulton. Mm. As long as they have they're in the they're a resident of Fulton County schools. Now, Fulton County also goes into the city of Atlanta, but that's a different school district. That's Atlanta public schools. And right. so those kids are not eligible to come to our school. Uh the vast majority of our students um live within 15, 20 minutes of our school. And so they're they're living in Alpharetta. Roswell, Johns Creek, Milton—that's where the vast majority of our students come from. There are some that come from Sandy Springs, some from Mountain Park, for example. Uh, I mean, Mountain Park is small, but still, there's there's a few that come from there, and then some that even come from South Fulton. Oh, really? Uh, and their parents are just incredibly devoted, and you know, they're driving them up an hour and fifteen minutes each way. Wow. Um, and so we've got anywhere it's ranged anywhere between five to 8% of our students come from South Fulton, but about 95, 90, you know, 2% of our students come from North Fulton in particular Alpharetta, Roswell, Milton, Johns Creek. That's where they come from. Gotcha. And, gotcha. and, and they're just super diverse. Uh, mm-hmm. so that's the other thing I wanted to say is that, um, we've, we've cultivated, um, a student body that really reflects the diversity in the entire Fulton County. Um, We've got, you know, no majority population in terms of, you know, white, black, Hispanic, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got 28 different languages spoken at home. Um, So it's a very, you know, eclectic, kind of intercultural type of situation. That and must then, make for interesting PTA meetings. Oh, uh. it's, it's, it's amazing. It's ama- and the food is, is what's oh, really yeah. kind of fun. Oh, yeah, wow. But, uh and then even economically speaking, they're diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we have, um, you know, a, a range of economic backgrounds. You mm-hmm. know, some kids are from very... Disadvantaged, you know, households economically, and then some that are driving in, you know, in Maseratis, mm. and so it's just that whole range. And what that it's beautiful because they all put on an Amana uniform, mm-hmm. and the kids can't tell, right? You know what kind of you know living situations they're in, and and we're here to support all of them. That's awesome. And talk about the the student experience.
0: The just what students take away? I mean, what, what's,
1: what's the feedback? I mean, students that come back, uh, yeah. years later. Yeah. The, uh, you know, and we've, now that we've been around for a while, you know, there's students that are now married, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're successful in all kinds of things that they're doing. Um, you know, some are in the military. Um, my, my own daughter, uh, went through the school and, and spent four years in, in the 82nd airborne, um, And then, you know, my other daughter's at Tech, at Georgia Tech, and she's, you know, studying um, environmental policy. Mm. But one of the things that, so, so, you know, the EL education, the expeditionary learning approach, um, you know, looks at achievement in a very broad way. It's not just about the mastery of knowledge and skills. It's also about character and habits of scholarship and relational character. Do I have compassion for other people? Do Do, am I going to persevere? And solve this problem. Um, do I have, um, you know, a stewardship ethic, and and so forth. And then the last piece of it is high quality work. You know, is there craftsmanship in the way that I've, you know, built this diorama, or the way that I've written this essay, or this this tiny house for a homeless person? Our eighth graders have a, a project where they build a tiny house, and they learn their physics and their you know their their math by building that tiny house, and so. So that that broader um, definition of achievement allows us to create an experience that's um, really multidisciplinary. Um, We uh, focus a lot on joy in learning. Mm -hmm. Um, We focus a lot on this concept of crew, uh, that we are crew, not passengers. That's our motto. It comes directly from the outward bound roots of, of expeditionary learning um and so there's these really tight relationships that are built between the students between the students and their teachers and then between the school and parents mm-hmm. and so you know there's layer upon layer of of opportunity for us to build you know connections with each other and so it, there's a joyous kind of hum in the school is what i call it and um and there there it's rigorous work uh, but it's meaningful work. Every one of the the projects that, you know, these we call them learning expeditions. They last a, s- a semester where you pull in these different topics. Um, every one of them has a real-world application. And in the past um, seven, eight years, we sought out to become a STEM-certified school as well. Mm. So what we've taken is the EL model, and we've applied to it. Um, design thinking and really powered it with STEM education, and so the projects that the kids work on um, are real-world applications. They involve STEM and and technology and engineering and the and, the, and that problem-solving skill set that we all want kids to have. Um, and then we're only one of five STEM certified schools in in Fulton County Schools, which has over 110 schools. And so, mm. um, you know, you talked about. You asked about why do parents choose us? Right, they're looking for that. They're looking for a, a multidisciplinary approach for their kids. They're, they love the character element of of what we talk about. Um, they love that sense of community that we've got. But in addition to that, they want their kids to have the right skills for the future. So right. you know we got to be thinking about. Um, you know, the, the way we teach kids is not for our world. It's for the world that they're going to inherit in the future. And so they've got to be ready for that. Sure. And and STEM, uh, you know, is, is right at the center of all kinds of different industries and different, um, you know, aspirations that, that children's have. And so, um, so the fact that we're a STEM certified school through the department of education is a big deal to parents. I can imagine,
0: uh ehab Jalil jaleel is with us folks the executive director of amana academy so Ehab, you have uh had some big news here recently
1: oh mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to, yeah
0: this. as it relates to a partnership with the girl scouts say yeah. more about that
1: well you know it really starts with about um you know five six years ago um we were we were starting to think about the impact we were having with our kids and and the fact that we're an A rated school, you know, we're one of the top performing schools in Georgia with a very diverse population. And, you know, we felt the need uh, to really explore the idea of replication to replicate our school and, and maybe start up another school, maybe a small network of schools. And, um, and so, and that is common within the charter sector uh, that if there's a good model the fastest way to more success is not to start more charter schools, but to replicate really successful models. And so so we were approached by a couple of foundations as, as well to give us some seed money to think about the idea. And um, the pandemic slowed us down uh, and there were a couple of false starts, uh, you know, through that experience, but we really kind of honed in on West Atlanta. If you look at West Atlanta, um, there is plenty of opportunity for better schools in West Atlanta, South Cobb, even South Fulton. And um, and so we started to look and, uh, you know, um, I reached out to a friend of mine that I went through Leadership Atlanta with, um, Amy Dosik, who's the CEO of Girl Scouts of Greater Atlanta. And I said, Amy, we're thinking about starting a school in this area. And, you know, we've had a couple of false starts. Uh, would you consider us, if we started a school at your headquarters, um, which is in Mapleton. Yeah. They've got a, a facility called Camp Timber Ridge. It's mm-hmm. 270 acres of land, um, that already has classroom buildings and a dining hall there that they only use during the summer. Oh, wow. And Amy had been, um, you know, very interested in our STEM program. She saw a lot of similarities with what Girl Scouts was doing around STEM education. And, um, and so, you know, she said, you know, instead of starting it here, I'd like for you to make this your permanent location. And um, Camp Timber Ridge is twice the size of Piedmont Park. Um, so it's a very large facility. It's a beautiful facility that's kind of almost an oasis um, within South Cobb. And so we set out to uh, form this partnership, and um, it's been amazing so far. You know, we're, um, we're going to be uh, using their existing buildings. We're going to be adding some new buildings. And then over the next few years, we're going to be running a capital campaign for shared use type buildings. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they've been looking for a program center, a STEM center of their own. Now we would be able to use that as well. And we think that's going to be attractive to the philanthropic community. And so, um, you know, it's a real synergistic type of relationship, uh, which will allow Girl Scouts to fully utilize this, you know, resource Mm -hmm. 12 months out of the year. Right. And, um, And the response has been fantastic. Um, So we've gotten some good media coverage. Um, Parents, uh, we've got 200 uh, spots for kindergarten through third grade. That's what we're going to start out with. And then we're going to add a grade every year up to eighth grade. Uh, But we've gotten, you know, almost 350 uh, applicants for those 200 spots. Oh, wow. And so, um, you know, as a brand new school in the area... I think what people are realizing is we've already got a track record at our flagship school. Um, Our principal, uh, Helena Brown has been in residency at our flagship school for two years already. Um, You know, we're going to be, you know, transplanting three teachers from the flagship school to the new school. So we're doing it really intentionally Mm -hmm. and uh, we want to start off, uh, you know, um, on the right foot, but the camp and the atmosphere of, of being in nature and being in the outdoors, it's going to be a STEM learning lab right outside their classrooms. Mm. And a lot of the programming that we do around, uh, adventure PE is what we call it. You know, we'll have it right there. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got outdoor amphitheaters, they've got low ropes courses, high ropes courses, um, and, uh, just a beautiful setting for a school, frankly. And so we're, thrilled uh, and very privileged to be working with Girl Scouts on this. Wow, that's awesome. And now
0: um, uh, that location is in Cobb County. Does that that mean it's for Cobb County students or will uh, your Fulton County students be able to
1: access that that campus or how how does that work? Great question. So earlier when I was talking about the different formats for charter schools in Georgia. So some are locally approved, like mm-hmm. our flagship school in Fulton County, and then some are state-commissioned schools. Mm-hmm. So this one will be a state-commissioned school. And so it, anybody in the state of Georgia can send their kids there. Oh, wow. If, if, if they live in Savannah and they've got a helicopter and want to bring their kid, they, they're welcome to do it. But right. um, yeah, so, so the, the catchment zone is wider. Um, and what we've seen with the families that are coming is that they're really coming from South Cobb, South Fulton and West Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That's where like, you know, 80, 90% are coming from. Right. Right. Great work.
0: Yeah. So, exciting. yeah, that is awesome. So, um, yeah, we're, we're coming up on the, uh, on time to wrap this up and let you get back to work. But, um, but we are, uh, uh, North Fulton business radio. We've got a lot of business listeners. Uh, businesses are always looking to give back, Talk about how businesses can, can connect with you and help and the, and the, what you're looking for from business uh, partnerships.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we've had some great partnerships, um, that, that, um, unfortunately through the pandemic kind of slowed down, but now we're starting to see, it, you know, come back. Um, we're always looking for volunteers. Um, so, you know, uh, it could be team building activities for the businesses, um, you know, tending to our community garden. It could be a painting project. It can be, you know, we've got a Ted talk that we do every year. You know, we've had um, Best Buy employees come and and help us stage the Ted talk. Mm. Um, so it can be in many different ways. We've also got a number of board committees as a nonprofit organization by law. Um, we have a governance board uh, that I'm accountable to, uh, some of which is parents, and some is you know corporate and business representation from the area. And so, uh, if people are interested in serving on a board, they're passionate about education, or even serving just on a committee for the board, um, you know they're welcome to 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 reach out to us. Um, Financially, you know, we're we've got different campaigns that we're putting together. Uh our latest campaign is called Beautiful Spaces Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're upgrading our furniture. We don't get facilities funding from Fulton County Schools. Um that's something that charter schools really um, you know, struggle with, not getting facilities funding. So so we rely on our operating budget to fund our facility and any kind of improvement. So um, you know, we've had uh, an incredible relationship with Georgia Power uh, in upgrading many of our air conditioning units and things like that. But that beautiful spaces fund helps us make small improvements each year to different parts of the campus. Um, so it can be, you know, upgrading our cafeteria or repainting something or adding a garden, all kinds of different um, opportunities there. Our latest um, project was a sensory uh, room, uh, for kids that, you know, are overstimulated and so forth. And so, you know, they work with our, uh, physical therapist and our, our occupational therapist in that room. And so little things like that really, really do help us, um, and make up, help us bridge that gap that we've got.
0: Wow. Great work from Ehab Jalil and, uh, all the folks at Amana Academy. Ehab, this has been terrific. I, I'm, so it's delighted! Been great to catch up. Thank yeah. you so
1: much for this opportunity.
0: Absolutely, thanks so much for coming back. And uh, but let's get to the really important question: Is for those that would like to get in touch, would would like to learn more uh, in whatever capacity they're in, tell them how they can connect with you. Well, they can certainly
1: uh, visit our website, amanaacademy.org. dot um, We have a presence on Facebook. We've got a presence on Instagram and Twitter as well. And they can also always send an uh, an email to info at amanaacademy.org. Terrific, Ehab Jalil. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, John. Really
0: appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, folks. Just a uh, quick thought for you. If uh, your family is tired of that uh, drive-through fast food stuff you're bringing home, uh, here's an here's a better answer for you. Uh, particularly if you're over in the Johns Creek area uh, on Jones Bridge Road. A S Culinary Concepts. Now, yep, they've got a culinary studio. They do corporate catering. They've got corporate team building. They even do big green egg boot camps. Those are fantastic, by the way. Uh, but they also do Let Us Cook For You meals. Now, um, you have to check the website and uh, see when they're doing these. But uh, go to asculinaryconcepts.com and check them out. And uh, you just uh, place your order, drive through. They put it in the back of your car, and off you go and you're a hero when you get home. So uh Andrew Traub and his uh, folks over there they do fantastic work. 678-336-9196 if you want to talk uh, to Andrew directly and tell him I sent you. Uh, I think you'll be glad you you uh got in touch. And folks North Fulton Business Radio is on all the major podcast apps. Uh we're on show number, I don't know, 450 something like that. Um we would love it if you would share the show. If uh, you have heard something here that makes, uh, uh rings a bell and you think uh, others would benefit from it, please share the show. That's uh, what we're all about here. At business Radio X is celebrating the great work of business and community leaders like Ehab. And, uh, uh, we, we can't do that effectively if we don't get help from you. So if you could help us do that, we'd greatly appreciate it. So for my guest, Ehab Jalil, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.